Welcome to Choice Classic Radio. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and help keep this show alive by donating at choiceclassicradio.com. For more of your favorite old-time radio shows, join us on our companion podcast, Choice Classic Radio Detectives, where we bring to you tales from the greatest detective shows the golden age of radio had to offer. Makers of Campbell Soups presents the Campbell Playhouse. Orson Welles, producer. Sixteen weeks ago tonight, I joined the Campbell Playhouse, and if you remember, we dramatized Rebecca. Well, I'm pretty sure if you remember Rebecca, you will never forget Margaret Sullivan. And I know you're glad that Margaret Sullivan is back with us again. With us this evening to play Magnolia in Showboat. Now, I've tried to make our radio version of Showboat as true to its original as possible, but don't worry, the Campbell Playhouse wouldn't dream of being so different as to do Showboat without Helen Morgan. Helen Morgan is Julie. Wonderful, wonderful Helen Morgan with an old song which is new to her, new to Showboat, and maybe even new to you. And then there's William Johnstone, who's playing Gaylord Ravenel, Ray Collins, who's playing Windy, and I'm playing Captain Andy Hawks. Finally, Edna Ferber herself, Edna Ferber, who wrote Showboat, comes to our microphone and begins tonight her career as an actress. Begins it in the service of one of her finest stories, and in the character of one of her most famous creations, Party Hawks. Ladies and gentlemen, the big show will start in just one minute. Come one, come all. It's the rage of the river. To quote Captain Andy, it's the sensation of the century. In one minute, ladies and gentlemen. Showboat. Just before we start, a word from Ernest Chappell. Up to a comparatively short time ago, vegetable soup more than any other had been associated with the traditional home soup kettle. For years, many housewives followed the old-time custom of making this soup in their own kitchens until one by one they discovered Campbell's. They found that Campbell's vegetable soup had the same good flavor, the same nourishing quality they themselves had always driven to get. Now, if it happens that you are one of those who haven't made this discovery, and if you still think good vegetable soup can only be made at home, may I suggest that you try Campbell's vegetable soup? I'm sure its convenience will appeal to you immediately. It's ready to serve in almost no time at all. But what is even more important is this. You will find in Campbell's vegetable soup the same good homemade character and the same homey flavor that you'd look for in the finest kettle of soup you ever made in your own kitchen. Campbell's have kept faith with time-honored home traditions in making this soup. You can tell that in the taste of your first few spoonfuls. Expert home cooks sipping this soup critically nod their approval. So won't you give Campbell's vegetable soup a trial? Make a note of it in planning tomorrow's meals. And now Margaret Sullivan and Orson Welles with Helen Morgan and authoress Edna Ferber in Showboat. 
If you are an habitué of old South Clock Street in Chicago's gay 90s, you may remember us still. Nola Ravenel, Soubrette. And that amazing slow smile that's still talked about among the older writers on the dramatic pages. Some of the same men who today print four-column pictures of a daughter, Kim, Kim Ravenel, on the front pages of the Sunday sections. To Magnolia, it all seemed like a vague dream now. Those long years in Chicago with Ravenel, months of heartbreak and failure after he'd gone away, the years of success. Playing Chicago, playing the circuits, playing the East, and then at 60, retired, living with Kim in New York, watching Kim's success, knowing all the right people going to the right places. A strange dream world in which she'd been living all these years. And now, suddenly back. Reality in that piece of yellow paper delivered to Kim's dressing room the night before. Crumpled now from being held in her hand all day as the train carried her south. Back towards the river. Back home. Parthenia Ann Hawks died suddenly eight o'clock before evening show. Cotton Blossom playing Cold Spring, Tennessee. Sympathy. Company. George Doc Bernardo. You've just gone dagger, Mother, that's all. Staying on this miserable boat all these weeks and making me come all the way down here to catch you. We're going back to New York on the night train and on the tenth we sail for London. No, you do, Kenny. I don't. I'm staying here. You're what? I'm staying here, Kenny. It's a showboat. You can't mean it, Mother. Swapping up and down those wretched rivers in this heat and the flies and the mud. You could be with me in London or on the island. Or even in New York when we talk. It's cool, there. Kim. Yes, Mother? Kim, listen to me. I've made up my mind. I'm staying here. Mother, I don't understand. No, of course you don't. How could you? Listen, Kim. Listen to that. I can hear the Goliath playing for miles around, up and down the river. In a little while, it'll be twilight. That's the most exciting hour of the day. I begin to light the lamps inside the auditorium. And the searchlights along the block. And people start coming in. Down to the landing, along the river banks, down the roads. The farmers and their wives, river folk, hangers on. And by seven, they'll all be here. There won't be an empty seat. Crops have been good along the river this year. Even the boxes will be filled. And then presently, the show will start. Oh, it hasn't changed, Kim. It hasn't changed at all. Magnolia Hawks, the rage of the river, the sensation of the century, the queen of the cotton blossom. The cotton blossom. That's what Captain Andy's showboat is called. Green trimmings and gold letters a foot high, Captain Andy Hawks, cotton blossom, floating palace theater. There were eight in the company, not counting the crew. Andy Hawks himself, captain and owner, with 35 years' experience on keelboats, steamboats, packets, and showboats. A little nervous, wiry man with a horrible habit of clawing and scratching at his whiskers that hung like brushes just below his white canvas cap. There was his wife, Parthenia Ann Hawks, a bulky, frigid female with a long, hoarse face and a New England passion for discipline. There was Julie Dozier with her rich, deep voice. There was old Windy, Pilot, and George Schultz, and the rest of them. Year after year, the cotton blossom floated down the rivers. It started out in April and got back in September. And year after year, they gave the same plays. East Lynn, Lady Audley's Secret Tempest and Sunshine, Madcap Marjorie, Uncle Tom's Cabin. 
Year after year, they grew more successful. And then one morning at Mobile, Captain Andy made a shocking discovery. In the night, his ingenue leader packed her trunks and left. Left with a black-mustached gambler who had followed her down the river from Paducah, Kentucky. And that afternoon, the captain's cabin, a great battle was fought over the fate of the girl with a pale face and a large mouth whom America, years later, was to applaud under the name of Magnolia Ravenel. At this time, she was just 16, and her name was Maggie Hawks. My own daughter, an actress, over my dead body, Hawks. And you know, Reese ain't hanging around on trees. No, sir. Take us a week to get one from Chicago, another week for her to learn her parts, and then maybe she won't be no gang good. Maggie could go in there tonight. She'd be great. I won't hear her. Now, Parthy, you're just working yourself out. Ought to be proud of her stepping in, saving us money. We we got to close up if she don't. For rather have her in her grave. Well, she knows all the parts. Why I ever allowed her to step foot on this filthy skull with a lot of riffraff that I wouldn't touch with a ten-foot pole. Now, listen here, Parthy and your hawks. We got the biggest advance here we had this season. Yes, the doc's downstairs raking it in with both hands. If you had the least bit of gumption in you instead of sitting there whining and carrying on, I... You... But the advance. Well, 300, not anywhere near 4 o'clock. Oh, well, have it your own way, then. It's no use arguing with you. But remember, it's against my wishes and over my dead body. And if any harm comes of it, I'll know where the blame lays. Magnolia. Magnolia, why ain't you on the stage rehearsing? How do you think you'll be able to go on tonight if you don't do no rehearsing? <laughs> Beautiful world 
She was on the Cotton Blossom. Magnolia got to like her better than anybody else in the world, except Captain Andy, maybe. In a way, she had a lot to do with what happened to Magnolia in later years. Before license always too high. They starve for some play acting. What's the matter with her? Well, she's sick. 
Well, so long as you're all right for tonight, Julie. Say, she won't be. What day? Why, she ain't sick, is she? I mean, sick. Yes, she is, Mama. Well, what you doing sitting here for, Maggie? Go fetch a doctor. I don't want a doctor. Person's too sick to play. They're sick enough to have a doctor. Playing Xenia tomorrow. Good as stands we got. Probably won't be able to open there neither if you're sick as all that. Oh, I'll, I'll be able to play tomorrow. How do you know? I'll be all right as, as, as soon as I get out of this town. That's funny. Oh, what is? Just come over me. Julie. Yes? You took sick at this very town time we came down river last year. Well, nothing so funny about that. Soon she heard we wasn't opening here because the license was too high. She got well all of a sudden. Oh, leave me alone, can't you? Well, I may not know now, much. Why do you but... think a girl didn't have the right to feel bad? Now, why do you get along, tend to that ticket office. We can't show tonight. we got to leave no. Sure you won't be feeling better by night time, Julie? Oh, leave me alone, can't you? Oh, sure, sure, Julie. Now, party scat, you yeah. hear? Cut the horse! Horse down there! Now, what's that? Dog, Captain! Seems like there's something up. Well, how do you mean? Sheriff's outside on deck. What is it? Our license paid. He's welcome around here as anybody. I don't well, know it seems like he wants to have a look at all the folks aboard, and he ain't no state to be reasonable. Guess that's him coming down now. All right, let him come. Right. Please, Captain, don't let him come down. Don't let him. Who's captain of this here boat? Well, I am. What's wanted with him? Hawks is his name. Captain Andy Hawks. But he is in rivers. Well, Cap, uh, who are you? Sheriff of this town. Understand you got mixed color in your show. Mixed color? What's that? What do you mean, Mama? Hush, Maggie. No such thing. No such thing on this boat. The name of the Negress is, uh, let's see, Julie Dozier. Julie? Yeah. Which one's her? That me. You Julie Dozier? I am. Who's been telling you this stuff, Sheriff? Fellow lives here. Seen a picture when he come to buy tickets to your show. This fellow says you was born here. That's right. Your mammy was colored. Well? Yes. Well? You down here now, Sheriff. Because if you are, you can get out. Or have you got something more to say? No. Guess I'm done now. I'll be going. Only let me tell you this, Captain Hawks. You better not try to give no show with mixed blood in this town tonight. Just thought I'd warn you. Bye, Captain Hawks. Bye, ma'am. Maggie, you come away from here. No, I want to stay with Julie. Julie, now, you're not going to cry, honey. Why, it's only like, it's only like I was going, going the way we do winters. After we close the showroom. Tell me, you won't be coming back again when it's split. Oh, heavens. And our business folks are always meeting up. Ain't that so, Captain? Yeah, sure thing, Maggie. Come on, Maggie. You got your practice in no, to do. No, Mama, I'm going to stay with Julie. March! Mama, why can't I stay here with Julie? Please, I don't want to Well, Julie, um. what do we do? I'm going, Captain Andy. Don't worry. I'm going. Well, I'm sorry, Julie. It's too bad. You're the best actress we ever had in this boat. Well, better go. My things are all packed. Julie. Yes? I just wondered, uh, I'm fixed for money. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm fixed all right. I, I've been saving. 
You treated me well, Ken. Yeah. I'd I'd like to say good goodbye to Magnolia if you don't mind. Uh, Julie, you know how Parthy is. Uh, she don't mean no harm, but well, it, if she feels you and Maggie maybe shouldn't. I I see. You know, women folks are funny that way. Okay. Well, I guess I'm ready. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye, and, and thank you, Captain. You, you've been awful good. And Captain, tell Magnolia, goodbye for me. Sure will. Goodbye, Julie. Years later, when Magnolia was married and living in Chicago, she saw Julie once again. Julie looked an old woman by then. She passed her on the street, and by the time the carriage had stopped, Julie had disappeared. But there could be no mistake about those deep, dark, dead eyes set in that white face. After Julie had gone, life went on as usual on the cotton blossom. Three months went by. They floated down the river, Memphis, Vicksburg, Natchez, Baton Rouge, and then at the end of August... They reached New Orleans, and there a second disaster overtook the cotton blossom. Their leading man left them. George Schultz came to the box office where Andy and Parthy were busy counting up before going ashore. He looked very pale, but determined. He had a letter in his hand. I gotta go, Cap. Go? Go where? Well, what do you mean, Schultz? It's from her. From my wife. She's in the hospital at Little Rock. That gambling fellow left her. She ain't got a cent. Oh, now, Schultz, I wouldn't do it for myself, no matter what, but it's her, Captain. It's for her, not me. Yeah, Schultz, you... I gotta go, I tell you. You can pick up somebody here in New Orleans. There's a dozen better actors than me laying around the docks this minute. Why, I got to talk to a fellow a while ago down on the wharf. I said I was an actor on the Cotton Blossom. He said he'd act it, too. Maybe he'd like the job. Yes, I suppose he would. What do you think this is, a bumble? Plenty of wharf rats in New Orleans would like nothing better. He ain't no wharf rat, Mrs. Hawks. There he is, down there yet. Take a look at him. Down by that stern wheeler there. I'd go ashore and talk to him if I was you. What, him? That fella down there in the Bronx suit with the yellow cane? Yeah, that's right. I couldn't go up and talk to him about acting on no showboat. He's a, well, he's a gentleman. Maybe, but nobody feels like one with a crack in his shoe. Huh? Yes. He's got a crack in his shoe, I can see from here. I can't say I like the looks of him, especially. But we can't be choosers. Well, Hawks, uh, what you waiting for? Ladies and gentlemen, it's my good fortune to present you tonight the most magnificent company of players ever assembled on the Mississippi. Magnolia Hawks, you know her and you love her, a favorite from Duluth to New Orleans, and Fireside, the sensation of the century, the rage of the river, Mr. Gaylord Ravenel. That he and Magnolia should fall in love was inevitable as the cosmic course. She'd never met a man like Gaylord Ravenel. Magnolia hadn't. He was the most handsome man she'd ever seen and the best dressed, even though his clothes weren't new. Maybe it was because he was so clean and elegant that he seemed different, but it was more than that, really. He had such nice ways, always polite and gentle and doing little things that no man she ever knew would have bothered his head about. 
From the first day he came on board, the cotton blossom, everybody adored him, everybody, that is, except Carthy. Person would think he was the only juvenile left in the world. Matter of fact, I can't see where he's such great shakes of an actor who rolls those eyes of his a good deal and talks deep-voiced, but got hands white as a woman and fusses with his fingernails. I'll wager if you look around New Orleans, you'll find something queer for all he talks so high about being a ravenel of Louisiana and his folks governors in the old days and inscriptions about him in the church and whatnot. Shifty, that's what he is. Mark my oh, word. Best juvenile lead ever played the rivers. Never heard that having clean fingernails hurt an actor any. Oh, it isn't just clean fingernails. It's everything. I can't bear the sight of him. Collaborin' and soft-soaping. Oh, he can get around a woman my age. Well, I'm worth a dozen of him. When it comes to being smart, I wonder where he is now. Well, what do you want with him? Don't want anything. Just to know where he is, that's all. Well, he's inside. Inside where? With Magnolia, listening to her. You left him to stay alone with your child? Well, good heavens, Partner. What's the harm in a gentleman listening to a little piano play? And I'd like to know. Now, sit down, Partner. I'll do no such thing, and you won't either. Come along inside where we can keep an eye on the tour. Oh, Partner. You hear me, Hawks? Oh, all right. That's pretty soon you're playing there, Magnolia. Yes, isn't it? She'd do better by it if she did more practicing. I don't get time, Mama. What was the hurt Seem to have time enough for all sorts of foolishness, if you ask me. Papa. Yes, Maggie? You know, Mr. Ravenel was just telling me about being all the way to Paris. Oh, that's true, Ravenel? Yes, Captain. Paris? Fiddlesticks. I've never even been to Chicago. Well, it's not so much. But it has got some nice things about it. I was New York once. Ah, there's a real town. Yes, sirree. If I was a girl, I'd soon enough tire of this sort of puffin' jay talk. You can listen to music, Carthy. Does seem you managed to get around a lot for a young man, Mr. Ravenel. I have, ma'am. Most folks would say it didn't look right of you. That's so? Takes a pile of money, don't it? Well, I, uh... Well, however'd you come by so much? Not by your acting, I'll lay... I was telling Andy just now, I don't see that you're any great shakes as an actor. Now, see here, Pardy. A body can take oh. an interest in a young man, can't they, Hook? I just say that most folks would have it that no young man could come by so much money on it. Mama. Eh? I think I'll go to bed. And about time, too. Come in, Hawks. I'll be along in a minute. Good night, Mr. Ravenel. Good night, Miss Magnolia. Come along, Maggie. Come along. They floated down the river hundreds of miles of willow-fringed streams, flowing blue in the sunlight, olive green in the shade, wild honeysuckle clambering over black tree trunks, bare, unpainted cabins the color of the sandy soil. Sometimes the river was a great broad stream rolling down to the sea, and sometimes it was a shallow, narrow stream, little more than a creek through which the cotton blossom went slowly, sticking away cautiously from town to town. It seemed no time at all before they played all the bayous on their way up the river again and back at the docks in New Orleans. Fifty-six hundred, fifty-eight, seven hundred, twenty-five, seven hundred, twenty-five. Is... Papa! Huh? Oh, Papa, it's almost born. You haven't even changed your clothes. Can't leave this money laying around buttons, can I? Banks let me on the side door afterwards so as I can you bank you it. You got a carriage and two horses and you drive Oh, gosh day. almighty, Magnolia. Ain't gonna turn out an unreasonable woman like your ma, are you? Where's Mama? Isn't she ready either? Yeah, she's ready, all right. Dressed up fit to kill. Don't know where she went, though. Saw her a while back, hustling the shore. I had a long talk with the sheriff and then flew off into town. 
Can't go without us. You might just well sit down and relax. Now, for six, seven, eight. And I do. Magnolia. Oh, how beautiful you look. Huh? What? You're looking very beautiful yourself, Miss Magnolia. <sighs> Say, hey, Ramnall. Oh, yes, Captain. Uh, it's a mighty handsome-looking suit of clothes you got there. I ain't, uh, thinking of leaving us, are you? Well, no. Give me a turn. <laughs> no cause for that, Captain. First time you saw me, I was in temporary difficulties. Sort of thing that can happen to any gentleman. Now, as you can see, things are better. Yes, yeah, sirree. Yes, I certainly can. Now, I'll tell you what, Ravnall, uh, you, you stick with me and I'll raise you to, uh, 20. Uh, 25. 25? Uh, uh, 30 a week, huh? Uh, there ain't a juvenile on the river that's ever got anywhere near that. Well, let's not talk money now, Captain. Uh, unless, uh, unless you'd like to advance me 50 for a week. Uh, or pleasure, two. pleasure, Admiral. Present here, sir. 30, 40, 25, and 50. Thanks. What I really came in for was to ask if you and Mrs. Hawks and Miss Magnolia here would take dinner with me tonight. There's a restaurant I know. Oh, Papa, please. Now, now, Maggie, you know, you're not. Oh, he's gone off. Nobody knows where to. Oh, Mr. Ramner, we were going to take a drive out to the lake and then have dinner ashore. And he hadn't even changed his clothes until almost four o'clock. Probably is four o'clock. Oh, now, Maggie. Now. Just don't care anything about me. It's oh, all this old bi- boat and business and money. We're going. Just give me another 30 seconds. It'd be too late to drive, and that's what I like well. best. If you trust me, Captain, I know where I can get a fine turnout. Chestnuts. The highest steppers, but safe, sir. If we start right now, oh, uh... if I can, can't I? But, Maggie, if your ma ever comes to here, you... Not know... here, is she? Heck, I don't see how I can hurt much. Of course not. Well, we meet you at six for dinner. At Antoine, sir. At Antoine, why? Oh, come on, Mr. Avenel. Hurry. Yes, Miss Magnolia, I'm coming. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. 35, 10, 100, 15, 15, 25, 100, 25, 15, and 870, 870. Oh, what is it? Fox, the two of them with me own eyes, I tell you, I saw What's wrong with you, woman? Gone clean crazy? He's a gambler and a murderer. Who's a gambler and a murderer? He is. Well, for two cents, I'd murder you. Come howling, the old man's trying to run his business. You listen to me, you fool. I've been to the chief of police and a perfect gentleman, if ever there was one, and he's killed a man. Uh, chief of police killed a man? What man? Ravenel. Ravenel's killed a man. Oh, good heavens, when? A year ago. Right in this very town. Oh, well, they didn't hang him, did they? Hang who? Ravenel. Why, no. Said he shot himself defense for something. Well, he killed a man and let him go. Yes. Well, what's that prove? Eh? Proves you're right to, don't it? All right, what of it? What of it? This very minute your own daughter's out with a murderer. That's what... Mrs. Hawks, ma'am, when I was 19, I killed a man, and for 25 years and more, I've been as respected as... Hey, party, what? Oh, boy, there, Doc! Mr. Bean, somebody fetch some water! Party's fainted! <laughs> are listening to the Campbell Playhouse presentation of Showboat, starring Margaret Sullivan and Orson Welles, with Helen Morgan and authoress Edna Ferber. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
This is Ernest Chappell, ladies and gentlemen, welcoming you back to the Campbell Playhouse. In a moment or two, we will resume our presentation of Edna Ferber's Showboat. This is the story of a glorious institution, now all but vanished from our American scene. The great days of the showboat are past, drawn with the customs and manners of a more leisurely age. How times have changed since those days. Dining, then, was an event, a meal of many courses. It started with a great gleaming tureen of savory hot soup and went on to the meat course with many side dishes and finally some substantial desserts. We in our day have modified our view of eating. A new knowledge of what is good for us has tempered our eating habits. Soup has held its own. Indeed, today, soup is not only enjoyed as an opening course, but also as the main dish of many lighter meals. Knowing this, women welcome the fact that good soups are readily available in red and white labeled cans marked Campbell's. Delicious soups they are, too. Chicken gumbo, hearty vegetable soup, bean with bacon soup, chicken noodles. These and many more Campbell's make in the time-honored, homemade way. How many have you tried in your home? Now we resume our Campbell Playhouse presentation of Showboat, starring Orson Welles and Margaret Sullivan, with Helen Morgan and authoress Edna Ferber. Magnolia's, you may remember, never remembered very clearly what happened that afternoon. Gaylord Ravenel drove her far out into the country to a little church with a graveyard, and they got out of the carriage and walked around under the trees, and there were graves there with the names of Ravenel on them. That's what he said. His father and grandfather, and way back beyond that, he said, and she didn't remember much about the ride back to town at dinner or anything. Up till showtime, except Gay's smiling at her and her smiling back at him. Hawks, that murderer goes, or I go, that's fine. Oh, Parthy. You can tell him tonight. He's the best juvenile he'd ever played the rivers. Now, that scene's beginning. Willing to sacrifice your own daughter, are you, for the sake of a few dollars? Sacrifice? Just letting her speak civil to his handsome young fella? There. Watch now. Just see him out there looking at her. Oh, he's a darn fool if he didn't. You mean to tell me you'd see your own daughter married? Oh, now, what happens, woman? Can't a man look at a girl without a chance to marry her? Have it to marry her. Have it. If I was a girl like Maggie, I'd run off with him. That's the truth. She had any spirit left after you deviling her for 18 years. She'd do it. That's right. Put ideas into her head. I'm not putting ideas How do you know who he is? He's a ravenel. He says he is. Well, didn't he show her the church? Oh, Hawks. You're a zany. I could show you gravestones. I could say my name was Bonaparte and show you Napoleon's tomb. But that wouldn't make him a grandfather, would it? Hey, Hawks. Hawks. Oh, it's so loud. People out front can't hear the show. Now, Poppy, hush up and listen to the show. Bob, have all your friends deserted you? Mama's gonna make Andy send you away. No, but friendship is too cold a passion to stir my heart now. Will you come with me? Oh, give me a friend in preference to a sweetheart. How can I? My dear Miss Brown. Miss Lucy, marry me. Oh, please don't call me Miss Brown. When? Lucy. Where do we play tomorrow? Marry me there. Defender of the fatherless. Matthew, Will you be a poor man's bride? Darling. Oh, yes, Henry, yes. Lucy, my own. Darling. Magnolia, for heaven's sake, take your time. The minister will wait. Yeah, yeah. Where did you think you were going, huh? To a fire? I don't know. 
I guess I was afraid Mom would light out after me. Did you see you lived the boat? I think so. <gasps> there, I've got my breath. Come on, let's go in and get married. Oh, now, hold on a minute. You've got to be engaged first. Engaged? Of course. Well, give me a hand. Oh, the other one, silly. Oh, well, I've never been married. I engaged anything. I'm so excited. Okay. Gay. gay, a diamond. Hmm? You like it? Oh, it's so beautiful. I've never seen one before. Just look what the sun does to it. That's nothing to what the sun does to you. Oh, baby. You want to get a kiss? Mm, in broad daylight? Right here in the minister's front yard? Why not? Well, of course we are getting married. Well, Hawks, now I hope you're satisfied. Those were the first words she said when she heard they were married. Just the first words. She didn't stop talking for ten whole days. And she finally did let up a little because it's... Well, because she... She was tired. She'd just worn herself out. And when the baby came, they called her Kim. It was the captain's idea because she was born on the river while the cotton blossom was riding a storm near the borderlines of Kentucky, Illinois, and Missouri. K-I-M. And then when Kim was two, the captain bought a new boat, had it built in St. Louis with some newfangled arrangement instead of the kerosene lamps for footlights, and she was called Cotton Blossom, too. It was April before she was ready, late in the year, to start downriver, but the captain didn't care. He wanted to try the new boat. No sooner had they started than the rains began. They got as far as Natchez and turned, started upstream again. Then, early one morning before dawn, only a few miles out of Cairo, a squall caught them. And the whole course of Magnolia's life had been changed. Hey. Hey. Huh? What was that? Wait here. Wake up! Something's wrong. Hey, get up! Get up! Get up. What is it, Captain? Yes? Sounds Papa? like we lost our mooring. I think we lost the mooring. You better get some clothes on, Gay. Come along. Yes, sir. Hey, Doc, get I up know here. You. you better get, get up there, there. Lava. Wrap the baby warm. We're safe. Get in the cabin. I'll be back. Gay! deck, and of course he had no business giving orders. That was my job as a pilot, but he always did that, ma'am. I never minded it. What's happened to Papa? Where is he? Had to be the fastest channel on the river, too. He was leaning over, trying to snatch her. It was dark, and the rain and all. Wendy, what's happened? He was gone before we could get to him, Maggie. With the rain and the dark and the current, we did all we could. Ain't no use. Not in this part of the river. He's dead, Maggie. He's dead. Oh. With Andy gone, things were different. Might have worked out for a while if Parthenia Hawks hadn't been what she was. The first to go was the pilot, old Wendy McLean, about a month after Andy died. Here now. 
What do you mean? Uh, yes, I'm speaking to you, Wendy McLean. Uh, what is it you want, Miss If I've had those steps to the pilot house scrubbed once, I've had them scrubbed ten times this week. Well, what's the matter with them? What's the matter? Look at them! All muddied up. What's that side ladder for, I'd like to know? I've told you before. Miss Salt, ma'am, I'm no hired hand. I worked with Andy Hawks 25 years. I pay you, don't I? And good pay it is, too. Well, the thing is, you can't run a boat like you would a kitchen. Well, I'm not going to have it. You in all over, spitting your filthy tobacco and leaving muddy tracks. Ma'am? Well? You're Hawks' widow. No need to remind me. That's why I said I'd go on working the same as if Andy was alive. If you'd no mind to stay on, there was nobody begging you. I figured Maggie's husband would be the boss after... Well, I'm running this boat. Fact is, ma'am, I ain't no petticoat pilot. Fact is, I guess I lost my taste for rivers since Cap went. Lost my nerve, too, I guess. I'm through. Hmm. Your money will be at the office for you. Thanks, ma'am. Look, Miss Julia, I can't stand this. I'm sick of this car and everything that goes with it. Oh, I know, darling. Part of just driving us all crazy. Anyway, Magnolia, I'm no actor. I don't belong here. If I hadn't happened to see you the day your father offered me a job, I, I wouldn't be here now. Are you sorry, Gay? Oh, darling. The only luck I've ever had that lasted. Magnolia, what we ought to do is to clear out of here. You've got something coming to you from your father. We could very... What are you two gabbing so hard and fast about? Mama, listen. Yes? We were just wondering, now that Papa's gone... Yes? Well, oh, maybe it wasn't crazy trying to go on. What do you want? Have us leave the river? Why not, Mama? And what's to become the cotton blossom? Oh, I don't know. We'll have to talk about it. We are talking about it. Now, listen here, Magnolia. Folks left no will. Just like him. I've got as much say as you. Mama, there's my share in this boat. I want it. You mean money? Yes. What would you have me do? Sell the boat right out from under me? Captain Andy left insurance. And he had money in the bank. It's enough for you to buy Magnolia's share in the showboat, if you want it. What'll you do with the money? Oh, Gay will probably invest in some business. Yes. Monkey business. No, I'm leaving here. I've had enough. What about Magnolia and her child? They can come or stay. That's for her to decide. I'll be packing, Magnolia. No, Gay. Well, now, you see, walking right off and leaving you. Come back here, child. I'll give you the money. But mind, don't you come sniveling back to me when it's gone and you and your child haven't a penny to bless yourselves with. For that's what it'll come to in the end. Mark my words. I wouldn't come to you for help. Not if I was starving to death and Kim too. Oh, there's worse things than starving to death. I wouldn't come to you no matter what. You will. Just the same. I'll take my oath on that. And remember this. When he's run through every penny of your money, you needn't look to me for more. You can come back to the boat, you and the child. I'll look for you, but him, never.
Nothing was too good, Gaylord Ravenel. That first winter they lived in Chicago. They had a suite at the Sherman House, a nursemaid for Kim, a pair of English hackneys to drive them to the races in the afternoon and to the theater in the evening. And that winter, for the first time, Magnolia tasted champagne, wore sables, sat in a box at Hooley's and saw the hoochie-coochie dance at the World's Fair. It was all very pleasant and luxurious and strange. Almost like a dream. And through it all, Gay was beside her. Handsome and elegant and thoughtful. Laughing at her wide-eyed enjoyment. And then, one day, suddenly, their money was gone. Simply gone. I'm sorry, Magnolia. I haven't got it. Kate, darling, how do you mean you haven't got a hundred dollars? You know, it's that green velvet dress you like so much. You told me to get it. Now, this is the third time they sent the bill, so will you give me the money? I'll write a check if you bother. I tell you, I haven't got it, Magnolia. Well, tomorrow will do. But please be sure tomorrow that you... I can't be any sure tomorrow than I am today. We haven't got one hundred dollars in the world. And that's a fact. But, darling, we had thirty thousand. I know it. I'm afraid it's gone. Been running bad luck for weeks. Bad luck. But what, Gay? What do you mean? Pharaoh. But, Gay, we had $30,000. Thousands don't last forever, my dear. And besides, last week I took a flyer. A flyer? Yes, sir. A tip on the market. The stock market, the stocks. Oh, you wouldn't understand, Magnolia. But all of it, Gay? Didn't lose all of it on the market? Well, no. Some of it on the market, some of it at Pharaoh. How much, Gay? How much? Oh, what does it matter? It's gone. But, Gay, how much at Pharaoh? Two thousand. How many? Five? Yes, five. More than five, Gay? Well, near ten, probably. I don't remember, Magnolia. Well, what does it matter how it's gone? It's gone. Once a month came a letter from Parthe, no more, no less. It came addressed in a firm, small hand to the Sherman House. Crops are pretty good, so business is according. I put up grape gel last week, a terrible job. But I can't abide this sore stuff. No real grapes in it. Well, I suppose you're too stylish for the cotton blossom by now, and Kim never hears of it. I got the pictures you sent. I think she looks kind of picked. Up all hours of night, I suppose, and no proper food. Never heard of such a thing. Well, I will close, as goodness knows. I have enough to do without writing letters where they're probably not wanted. Still, I like to know how you and the child are doing and all. Your mother, Parthenia, and Walt. Dear mother, Gay is more than good to you. I have only to wish for a thing, and it is mine. Everyone says Kim is unusually tall and bright for her age. Gay speaks of a trip to Europe next year. I have a new fur coat. He's very good to me. Never an unkind word. You're very, very happy. Love, Magnolia. Magnolia and Ravenor moved. The first of those endless changes that marked their life in Chicago for the next 12 years. They left the plush and ice water and fresh linen and rich food and luxurious service of the Sherman House. They moved to a shabby family hotel, sort of actor's boarding house on the north side, just across the Clark Street Bridge in Ontario. It was within walking distance of the places, Gay said, and by places she knew that he meant Jeff Hankins and Mike McDonald's and Prince Varnell's and other establishments on Gambler's Row, where he spent his days. 
every day for twelve years. And always it was famine or plenty, no middle ground. Sometimes a bad streak would last for weeks. First the Malacca cane would go. Gay had a reputation for paying his debts, and Ravenel's cane was always worth a few hundred dollars as a pledge at one of the pawn shops near Clark Street. And then next some of the fine English clothes would vanish. And last, always last, her diamond engagement ring. There were times when even the Ontario Street Hotel became an impossible luxury. That meant rock bottom. Then it was that they took a room at three dollars a week in a frowsy rooming house on Ohio Street. The three of them in one room. And boiled coffee and eggs and cooking over the gas jet. And every day around noon, Gaylord went down to the street, elegant as ever, freshly shaved, with gloves on his hands, and headed south towards clock. It was night when he returned. Sometimes long after midnight. Magnolia! Hey, Magnolia! What is it, dear? Come on, Magnolia, we're leaving this rat's nest. Hurry! You're talking about now. You don't mean tonight. Now? It'll only take a minute. I'll wake up the landlady. She'll help. Oh, no, no, I'd rather do it myself. Oh, well, Kim's asleep. Can't we wait until morning? No, we're going tonight, this minute. Come on, hurry! Maybe killing Magnolia. Six thousand. And here, there's your ring. Where are we going? Sherman House. Or would you like to try the auditorium for a change? Room overlooking the lake, huh? How would you like that? Oh, yes. Next week, we'll run down to West Baden. You look good. During the day, we can walk and drive or ride. You'll learn to ride, Magnolia. In the evening, we can take a whirl at mathematics, please. Oh, darling, don't play there. Not much, I mean. Let's try to keep what we have for a while. What nonsense. May as well give Sam a chance to pay our expenses. Remember the last time we were down? I won a thousand dollars at roulette alone. And roulette's not my game. Gay. Yes, Nola? Gay, I want to talk to you. Well, does it have to be now? Yes, Gay, listen. Do we have to go on like this? Darling, haven't you been listening? I'm in the money. We're moving out of here. What more do you want? Ah, Gay, that's just it. Everything one day and nothing the next. We ought to be living in a house, a little house, where it's quiet and peaceful. And Kim can play like other children. Now, don't get dramatic, Magnolia, for heaven's sake. Besides, we've had that all out before. But why can't we do it? Why can't we live like other people, in between? Enough. None of this horrible worrying about tomorrow. I can't bear it. You should have married a plumber. Come on, Magnolia. Get your things back and let's go. I've got a carriage waiting downstairs. Then came a bad streak that lasted longer than the others. A cane was gone, the English suits. Magnolia's diamond ring. They've been in the rooming house on Ohio Street now for three months. Hey, you early. Emma, I stopped in at the Sherman house. The letter was there for you. Oh, it's for Mama. Yes. Gay? Hmm? Mama's coming. Coming here? Yes, listen. I've never been to Chicago. I want to see the stockyards of Grand Upper House. The Masonic Temple, Marshall Fields, Lincoln Park, and the Chicago no. River. I put up at the Sherman House where you are, providing it's not too expensive. And I want you both to understand I mean to pay my own way. I'll not be beholden to any living soul. Well, we'll have to move back, Gay. Where? To the Sherman House. That's where she thinks we live. Well, that's out, Nova. But, Gay, we haven't any choice. And I haven't any money. And you've got to borrow it. On what, security? I don't mean business borrowing. They're your friends, all those men. Oh, what men? The men at... Those places, the men you've known for so many years, those gamblers. They've all been trying to borrow from me. But Mike McDonald, Hankins, Barnell, they've all had thousands of dollars from us. All the money we brought to Chicago. Won't they give some of it back? <laughs> Magnolia, you're priceless. There's nobody like you. Gee, how can you act like that when you know how serious it is? I'm not going to have Mama come here and see us living like this. I'm not going to do it. You think for a minute I would? Well, then what are you going to do about it? I don't know. I don't know, darling. 
But I'll do something. I've been in holes as deep as this and managed to crawl out. I'll do something. That was the last time she heard his voice. Next morning, when she left the house, he was still sleeping. It was the day she went to school to see Kim. It was winter and it was dark in the streets by the time she got home. The door of their room was locked and when she opened it, before she'd lighted the gas, she felt the room was empty, deserted. On the dresser was an envelope. Her name on it in Ravenel's neat, delicate hand. I know you, darling. I'm going away for a few weeks. I was telling your mother was gone. I'll send for you. You'll find $300 for you on the shelf under the clock. Should be enough for a few weeks anyway. I love always. Okay. So you see, Kim, it's a long story. Oh, Amola. No, don't say that, Kim. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry for anything I ever did in my whole life. I've been a lot of places. I've seen a lot of things. But in the end, this is where I belong. I love it. The rivers, the people, the showboats, and the life here. I don't know why. It's bred in me, I suppose. Yes, Kim, I do know why. Your grandfather died when you were too little to really know him. You knew him well, Kim. You'd know why. This concludes the Campbell Playhouse presentation of Edna Ferber's Showboat, starring Margaret Sullivan, Orson Welles, Helen Morgan, and the authoress herself. Miss Ferber has something special to say to us tonight, and in just a moment, Orson Welles will bring her back to the microphone. In the meantime, here is Ernest Chappell. When you taste Campbell's vegetable soup, I'm sure your verdict will be the same as that of millions of others who agree it is so good that it's a waste of time and energy to go to all the trouble of making vegetable soup at home. You can prove it by serving this great family favorite tomorrow. And if there are children at the table, I know they'll show you by their busy spoons what a big hit it makes with them, too. And while they're enjoying it, they'll be getting the nourishing benefits of 15 fine garden vegetables. If you have thought there never could be another vegetable soup as good as the homemade kind, then this is important. Campbell's vegetable soup is made the good home way, from the simmering of its invigorating beef stock to the careful blending and cooking of its vegetables. It's so good and so substantial that it's almost a meal in itself, the kind of vegetable soup you'd expect from the finest home soup kettle. Why not try it tomorrow? Remember to ask your grocer for Campbell's vegetable soup. And now Orson Welles brings you his guests of this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, I think you know everybody here. Margaret Sullivan, who is Magnolia, whom you've seen so many times in movie houses and in theaters, giving so many fine performances, is our guest on the Campbell Playhouse for the fifth time. In fact, the last thing she did before she was Bridget Haywood, Haywood's mother, uh, which she is, was the, if you remember, the nameless heroine of our radio version of Rebecca. Miss Sullivan, very nice to have you back. It's nice to be back, Mr. Wells. It always is. I know you know Miss Morgan, and I know you love her just as much as I do. Ladies and gentlemen, Helen Morgan. Mr. Wells, 
Thank you for another chance to play Dooley. I suppose I know Showboat about as well as, as anybody. May I tell you, it has never seemed more real to me than tonight. Morgan, you're very kind. And now, ladies and gentlemen, because Miss Edna Ferber made her debut tonight as an actress, and as you will agree, a very good actress at that in the role of Parthy Hawks, and because she wrote Showboat and should have something interesting to tell us about it, I've banished all banter and bandinage from our customary afterpiece and asked her to take the floor and say what she will. Miss Edna Ferber. Today, in 1939, I never could have written Showboat. I'm too agonized at what I see and hear in the world about me. Showboat carries no message. It is just a romantic novel about a rather glamorous phase of American life. Since it was written in 1926, and this is 1939, there must be an inequality that strikes a sympathetic chord. It never could have been written in a war-torn world. A writer should feel free to write as he pleases, and in these times, he's deprived of that feeling. Those millions of you here in America who have chuckled over Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer, those of you who have thrilled to that majestic piece of prose, the Gettysburg Address, who have read and heeded the wise sayings of Benjamin Franklin, whose pulses have quickened to the beat and march of Walt Whitman's poems. If you love these things and believe in their beauty and worth, save them. For long, long after the rulers of people are dead, the literature of a country lives on. You who are listening to the Orson Welles program tonight, make up your mind what kind of world you want for your children. Walt Whitman told you. Listen to what he said. Long, too long, America, traveling roads all even and peaceful, you learned from joys and prosperity only. But now, ah, now to learn from crises of anguish, advancing, grappling with direst faith, and recoiling not now, to conceive and show to the world what your children en masse really are. Traveling roads all even and peaceful, you learn from joys and prosperity only. But now, ah, uh, now to learn from crises of anguish, advancing, grappling with direst fate, and recoiling not. Now, to conceive and show to the world what your children en masse really are. Thank you, Miss Ferber. And thanks to you, Miss Sullivan and Miss Morgan. Please come back to us again on the Campbell Playhouse whenever you will. That concludes today's episode. We'd like to thank you and remind you to donate at choiceclassicradio.com. Remember... Your donations make episodes like this possible.